Support for this podcast comes from JCPenney. This holiday, our in-person gatherings may be a bit more intimate, and our virtual ones bigger than ever. But no matter how traditions change, what's most important is celebrating special moments with the people who matter most. JCPenney has all the best gifts all in one place, making it easy to send your warmest season's greetings to loved ones near and far. Looking for the perfect gifts for everyone on your list? We'll be back soon with some of our top gift picks. Joy, comfort, peace. JCPenney. Hey guys, holy cow, this has been so exciting, cranking out so much new stuff. Um, I hope you're enjoying all of the extra podcasts that I've been putting out. I know a lot of you are scrambling for content right now. Maybe you're not spending as much time in the car as you used to, not listening to as much audio content. Well, uh, what? Uh, I, uh, that's why I put these on YouTube, so that you guys can start now watching. You can see our facial expressions. You can see what my guests look like. Um, and and you can have it kind of what a great thing to have on the background when you're like, cleaning or working on other things and you know you don't have to you don't have to sit and watch like every little second of it intently it's something that you can just be listening to pop your head up once in a while and uh, and um, when you're kind of busy with other stuff uh, around the house or doing your your new hobbies and puzzles and whatever all the people are doing these days working from home um and so so check that out you can go to shanemoss.com i just started doing the youtube uh <laughs> during this during this pandemic i feel like such an old man i just started doing the youtube um and uh so so i'm starting from scratch didn't have time to do it in the past had a big blind spot didn't see why it would be valuable and uh, boy, uh, I'm I'm so excited that I'm doing it now. But could use your help if you want to comment on some videos, if you want to share them, if you want to subscribe, that would be terrific. Even cutting together some highlights, some stuff like that, that I think we're gonna get um, a lot of mileage out of. So so you can uh, you can just check out say a video on like a three minute thing on like flattening the curve or on uh, a highlight on sleep, you know, something like tips for sleeping, stuff, stuff like that. So, uh, recognize that not everyone, especially in this time is going to have, uh, have the time to sit, uh, for an hour and an hour and a half or whatever to, um, to, to check out a podcast. Um, and so, so you can still catch some some highlights if you go and subscribe to my YouTube channel today. Doing my first ever live stream. I'm so excited. Pre Bicycle Day live stream. Uh, so Bicycle Day, that's the cell, uh, the anniversary, celebrating the anniversary of chemist Albert Hoffman's discovery of LSD 77 years ago. What's trippier than that? The trip that we're all in right now. The global trip that we're all in. How do you navigate it? What can you use from the crazy psychedelic experience to explain what's happening to all? All of our brains and all of the many mental health issues that will arise in uh, this now. What are the lessons that we can learn from harm reduction at festivals when someone's having a difficult trip to just manage some of your daily anxieties and and the uh, the gaslighting that is constantly being piped through the news these days? Wow! And and so uh, I thought. 
what an incredible time to have this conversation. Got Rick Doblin, the founder of the Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies. If you don't know who Rick Doblin is, you are not in the psychedelic worlds. He's the biggest name there is out there in the psychedelic spaces in terms of psychedelic research. And I got my very, very, very good friend, Cole Marta, um, uh, LST and MDMA uh, therapist. And I also have Sophia Rockland, anthropologist and author of When Plants Dream. She'd been traveling around with me on Head Talks. So we're doing a Head Talks show. It's a virtual Head Talks show. No stand-up, no talks, just a conversation. I have some fun material prepared. I have some jokes ready. I have a, a lot of fun questions ready. We're definitely going to have some laughs. We're going to do some real thought-provoking stuff. And without trying to make it some weird virtual stand-up show, that's just awkward. Um, don't watch virtual stand-up shows. It's going to ruin stand-up comedy, my favorite thing in the whole wide world. So don't support it. Um, and so uh, with with that, um, you can go on, go to Crowdcast. You can find the info on my website and uh, and register. And there's no other way to see it. Um, this won't be posted on my YouTube. This won't be posted anywhere else. This will not be on the Here We Are podcast. The only way to see it is to check it out live. If you can't see it live, as long as you register, you can watch it afterwards. You'll have access through that site, but that's the only way. And, and being there live is the only way that you yourself can ask questions in the moment. And so I'm I'm incredibly excited for this. Um, um, uh, go there check that out and um there's something oh yeah it's, it's two it's two hours long and then i'll be doing an hour um uh q a with my uh, j just me afterwards just directly answering your guys's question um for anyone that wants to stick around that way you know if you can't if you can't make it right at seven or you're coming in late or whatever or you can pop in and out a little a little bit it'll be like a three hour uh, a three-hour event. So, um, super, super excited to do this. Might be doing more things like it in the future. Already have a bunch of people registered. I think it's going to be a pretty great event. I am so excited. You can probably hear the excitement in my voice. Speaking of excitement, I'm excited to start a new class uh, through the Great Courses Plus. I am going to be checking out language in the mind. I'm, uh, it's it's uh, talking about fascinating models of how the mind has shifted through the ages from dualism to reductionism to talking about emergence and illustrating our changing understanding of language. So uh, there's... Um, uh, uh, there, there's things like insights into how the 3D framework helps explain the interconnection between genes, brains, bodies, and environment. Super interesting stuff, and uh, and and you know, I just this is a great way of um, I I have been uh, uh, you know, I've been fascinated by this whole pandemic, and I I've loved uh, I, I've loved talking about it, and I, I find. I don't really, I don't really find it that useful to like distract myself with with things on TV. I've been watching a little TV um, here and there uh, with uh, as I'm hunkered down um, with my folks a little bit, and that's it's been nice for um, 
for bonding or uh you know want to figure out how to like live cast with with friends and and um watch tv and stuff so as a social thing i i i like it but um but watching just like uh, a ton of tv by myself that's it's just not gonna do it for me however taking a class like this that's about something um uh, you know, completely unrelated, but really thought provoking and engaging. That's the kind of stuff that can like really get my mind off of this for a little while in a healthy way that also has me learning. So, um, so if you want to check it out, go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash here we are today. You can get free, a free trial of unlimited access to the entire library. So, you know, it's nice that you guys get to hear what I'm going to be taking and listening to, but there's a zillion um, classes on there, and you can go and, and see a, a few-minute preview of each one. Uh, you can connect on your phone, your tablet, internet-connected TV. There's so many different options for you. And if you still have a if you have a job where you're commuting still, don't forget that this is what I what I was doing the most when I was still on the road is I was playing it without video. There's an audio option as well, so you can play it just like you would an audio book or something like that. And uh, my goodness, what a fantastic way to learn so much and um, and uh, really um, inform yourself and and have uh, a better fodder for thoughts and and creativity and enjoy your com- conversations more. That's the thing is like we're all connecting so much right now. Everyone's zooming and and connecting with everyone that they'd ever met and oh we went to school in fourth grade and it's always been sad that we haven't we haven't talked so we had that falling out in fifth grade and i just boy i never felt right about it and so let's connect now and in this pandemic 30 years later we're we're all doing stuff like that and uh and then you get on the phone with someone and everyone's saying uh, not everyone you know, a lot of people are just saying the same thing over and over again. And then you get in a great conversation uh, with someone. And that's that's the real, the quality of the, of the connection and the conversation. That's what's going to have that lasting impact on that well-being. And one of the ways to do that is by um, uh, educating yourself having taking taking some class that appeals to you having a new insight having that like oh my gosh i never thought about that that's so exciting can't wait to sneak that into a conversation somewhere and then sneaking those into those conversations and you'll be so surprised what comes out from them on, on the other end a lot of times then uh, and then you're you're having just such richer um conversations and and that's uh, we're gonna need to. Uh, we're really going to need to um, uh, uh, work on the quality of our our conversations now more than ever. And it's a great opportunity. Everyone has their guards down. Uh, everyone's uh, uh, you know uh, not not making the same small talk all over and over again. So this is a chance. This is a chance to have those great conversations in the greatcoursesplus.com slash here we are is here to help that. So uh, support me, support yourself, support great courses. 
support online education, support these fantastic academics that they've gotten from the top universities who are the best in their fields and amazing at communicating. Support all of that and have fun along the way. TheGreatCoursesPlus.com slash here we are. Are we? Yes. Where are we? Here. Why are we here? Not entirely clear. We are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all. It's immensely bizarre. Here we are. Hey, everybody. This is Shane Moss with the Here We Are podcast. Uh, We just started doing um, we just started doing, uh, my guest today is Sean Green, who's been a past guest and I'm uh, going to tell you about him in a, in a moment. We just started doing video casts for the first time in my five and a half year history. And, uh, and then I also just got this fancy new webcam. And then I realized the downside of all of this is now people can really see just how hungover I am. On, on the first, my first, uh, I, I had my first uh, night of blowing off some steam during the apocalypse uh, last night, uh, Sean. How, how have you been? Uh, how's your quarantine been? Uh, you know, I probably like everyone else's, um, if I had to guess. You know, uh, school has been shut down since spring break. The University of Wisconsin has been shut down since spring break. So, um moving everything online was certainly a challenge but it seems like it's worked as smoothly as it could have possibly gone so you know people are adjusting as best as possible i think cool so tell us uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself and uh and what you do um sure Uh, i'm an associate professor in the department of psychology at the university of wisconsin madison uh so my Research is really interested in in learning pretty broadly construed. Um, So a lot of the research that we do looks at uh, whether you can learn to improve your cognitive skills, say through playing certain types of video games. Um, We also look at whether you can learn to improve your visual skills um, through kind of dedicated training with an eye towards people who have certain types of deficits like lazy eye. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm I'm so excited to have you on. You were on, I think, season one or something like that of the of the Here We Are podcast. It was, it was some time ago, um, and talking about video games, had a terrific conversation. And then you were on the very first ever Stand Up Science, which I didn't know when you were first on it was going to kind of become my full time um, my full time gig. And um, in in trying to get as many different views on kind of quarantines and viruses and everything that's happening, I thought, uh, what what a what a great take on things. Now that everyone's at home, watching the most TV, playing the most video games, and everything else that they've ever had, I thought that I'd have you on because there was I I, I don't you know I I haven't listened back. I don't remember our entire conversation or anything from the first time I had you on four or five years ago, but but certainly um, one takeaway that I do have from it is that is that you um, you aren't as panicked about video game addiction as kind of the the general population had kind of started to be um, in in the last say 10 15 years or so and um, 
And I, I think this is a very, very unique situation because there's a whole lot of parents being like, oh yeah, video games, I'm sure they're fine. Just set the kids in front of these video games. So, um, so what's, your, what's your take on, on what's going on now, the, the increased volume of, of consumption, um, uh, video game interaction, watching Twitch, um, watching Netflix, uh, is is this an opportunity for you to collect some interesting new data? And do you have any kind of unique takes on on what's going on, and, and maybe even um, predictions about how this might change uh, culture? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I think they're you know, um, video games. The way that we conceptualize them is they're uh, kind of you know, we use them as a tool, um, you know, a tool to purposely change behavior, but just by their design, they are good at changing behavior. Um, but that alone is neutral. So, you know, you can kind of design video games to change behavior in a way that you would think is good and probably can design video games to change behavior in a way that you would think is less good. Um, you know, I think the interest with respect to video games right now is that, um, you know, they can kind of fill some of the holes that people are otherwise experiencing. Um, there's been a big kind of rush towards more uh, online video gameplay. Obviously, people are suffering from lack of social interaction. Um, you know, this type of gaming can fill the void, whether it's the type of video games that people think of when they think of video games like Fortnite or, you know, um, League of Legends, um, all the way through things like, you know, um, my parents-in-law are playing a lot of online euchre now, um, you know, yeah. kind of. That, that oh, uh, for for our nationwide listeners, uh, <laughs> euchre is a very Midwest specific card game that uh, that's a lot like spades. Yeah, so you know what's funny about euchre is that where I uh, went to grad school um, is about the other place that I've seen in the United States where people play it. Um, so you know <laughs> that Rochester area, people also yep. play euchre. That's where I learned to play it. And then I came here. I was like, hey, people know this game. Um, yeah. So yes, <laughs> it's a Trump game. Um, and so, but beyond the simple social things, I think there are other kind of, you know, social or um, kind of internal needs that video games can fill um, that we're all kind of suffering from. So there's uh, really nice work showing that video games can fill the need for what they call autonomy. Um, just the idea that people have this need to be able to make purposeful decisions in their life. They get to kind of choose for themselves how things will play out. Interesting. Um, all yeah. kind of stuck in a world right now where we don't get to make as many purposeful choices as we used to. Um, oh my so. gosh. That's such an interesting point. And, and, and knowing from, you know, the, uh, and sorry to cut you off, but the uh, kind of the, you know, the basics of stress research is, is that, is that two, the, the two main stressors in life is, lack of predictability and lack of control. I mean, that's oversimplifying things, but those are, those are the two main stressors. And I, I, hadn't, uh, I hadn't really thought about that as video games as a, as a powerful tool for even on a, on a, I mean, kind of, maybe I shouldn't say placebo level, giving people that sense of control over things. Yeah, I think so, right? It's, um, you know, suddenly, if nothing else, you can make purposeful decisions about the kind of trajectory that your avatar takes through, right? You suddenly have, you know, options in front of you and kind of meaningful choices. Um, huh. You know, it's like my choices are mainly, am I going to eat pasta again? Or are we going to dive into the freezer, right? Like, you know, these are the kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, and the games, especially the more kind of open world games, there's a lot of kind of freedom um, in a way that you're kind of feeling a little bit restricted now. So it's certainly something that we're interested in. I think like a lot of um, people who study technology and media and human interactions with technology and media, yeah, it's, you know, how is technology filling some of these gaps? Um, and then kind of planning on seeing, well, will this continue in the future? You know, people have started to use video games to fill some of these needs that they wouldn't have otherwise used video games for. Will they continue to do so in the future? Yeah, I mean, it is from my my first video game being, uh, you know, Nintendo, like Super Mario Brothers way back in like, 1985 or something like that when I first got my hands on a controller maybe 84 the way in which you can build a world now even even as simple as my friend Jake Baker that I often um, stay with when I'm in LA one of the things that I've never fully understand but it's just like a thing that he does is he's on like one of the NBA games and he and he he doesn't play he, he doesn't play the games he sits and, pl- and fiddles with the characters and spends hours after hour like creating different characters, like finding, uh, figuring out like how to make them look like their different like ethnic background, looking up like popular names in this country that like, <laughs> you know, he's less familiar with and figuring out like what this person's name should be what their height should be all all of these all of these different and he just builds these like characters as realistic as possible and then runs simulations of gay he doesn't even play, or he puts it in like whatever coach mode or whatever and goes outside and see that sees like who wins in these matches yeah i know the customization i mean it's just another good example of like meaningful choice right like suddenly you get some choices of things um you know you know so there's a, a pretty big and it does you know you know, it's certainly filling sports gaps for lots of people. I've been playing a lot of uh, MLB The Show to fill my my baseball gap. Um, yeah. You know, um, my guess is that um, you know my Cubs team, you know, is going to be more successful than the real Cubs this year. Um, <laughs> the hope is that they'll be successful this year. Season happens. Um, yeah. You know, but uh, kind of filling. You know, for me, come April, you know, it's baseball time, and so you know that's a lack that I'm experiencing, and so you know, yeah, video can fill that niche as well. Right. Yeah. That's gosh. That's that's so. Boy, I love talking with scientists. I I think of a new a new point and a new take on this every single episode. This is this is so cool. So. What about, I, I may have talked to you about this. I, I remember, so the audience is going to have to excuse my ignorance. The reason why I don't know much about video games is because I love them so much that if I were to play a video game, my life is just over and I can't do anything else. And so I just completely uh, ha- have to abstain from video games altogether. And I, I won't bore the audience with examples that I've I've given in the past, but it's a it's a it's a real true <laughs> self control issue for me. But um, I remember reading about video games. That's as close as I can get to video games is reading about them and hearing about how wonderful they are without actually playing them myself. But there is some game that was um, that's kind of about where you're able to go through space and it's modeled um, based on astrological data. 
using our solar system, and there's even physicists that have learned lessons about the universe by like playing this game and being like, wait, this meteor or whatever isn't the trajectory that we would expect it to be. Is it this video game's model or is it our model and understanding that's wrong? It may, maybe there could be a world envisioned where uh, there's a virology game or something on the horizon that, that would allow people to play and understand um, uh, viruses and what's and what's happening now um, uh, on on a on a new level. Um, I was say, there is a there is a very well known uh, uh, game called Plague Inc. Um, and pretty much any time uh, uh, something like this pops up, there is certainly demand for them. Um, the uh, issue is is that your goal in that game is to spread the virus. You you are the virus. Um, so um, it's. Uh, you know, teaching some problematic lessons. Um, <laughs> Encouraging empathy for viruses. Yeah. Huh. If I virus, how would I maximally spread? Um, I'd probably, you know, um, hope that, you know, people don't lock down their states and social distance um, <laughs> kinds of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Um, yeah, that's, that is, uh, that is fascinating. What are, so I, I remember you, uh, why don't you reshare this the study that you did um, about um, the uh, peripheral vision? Um, okay. it, it, because I, then I have a follow-up question. Yeah, so, um, you know, in the part of my lab's research where we look at um, kind of training people to improve either their cognitive skills or their visual skills, um, in particular, we've looked at uh, training on on one specific kind of kind of game. Uh, you know, one of the big kind of take home messages for the research on video games is that video games is a category that's just so broad that it's not particularly scientifically predictive, right? You know, we're thinking of a category that includes everything from like, you know, Flappy Bird and Angry Birds through, you know, Red Dead Redemption 2 and, you know, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, these kind of giant open world games. Um, and so the analogy I use really commonly is uh, video games are, you know, um, as a category are like food as a category, right? right. You know, you know, um, you know, it's like, oh, is it good or bad to eat food? Well, kind of depends. Um, you right. need, um, and so the game that we look at, or the game type that we look at, we call action video games. Um, and these are primarily first person and third person shooter games. Um, and so what we've seen is that if you take people who don't ordinarily play these games and kind of purposely train them on them, you know, in our case, they come to the lab and they play these games in a lab setting, you know, an hour a day, you know, five days a week. Um, and you measure their same peripheral vision before and after the training. Um, you see kind of improvements in the people that play these action video games that you don't see in people who play, who are trained in the equivalent way on other types of games that say don't place demands on peripheral vision. Um, so for instance, uh, uh, we've used as a control game, The Sims, um, which is kind of a life simulation game, um, which doesn't really have any peripheral visual demands. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one -on -one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, 
This is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Hey, everybody, it's Elaine Welteroth, and I'm hosting a new podcast called Built to Last by American Express, where we will dive deep into the stories, history, and continued legacy of small businesses that shape American culture. Our debut season will focus on Black-owned small businesses that need our support now more than ever. In each episode, we feature the story of a Black business trailblazer that has inspired a modern Black-owned business. First up is Pinky Cole of Atlanta's food truck turned restaurant, Saleti Vegan. We'll also chat with Hanifa Muemba, the cutting edge designer behind the Hanifa 3D digital fashion show. Plus, we'll check in with Issa Rae, our modern day Renaissance woman. We hope that it encourages all of our listeners to support these businesses as well as the black owned businesses in your own communities. Tune in for these amazing stories and others on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hmm. So it, the, the outcome being that if this increases peripheral vision, perhaps um, one of the, one of the, um, you know, un, unforeseen outcomes of, of say playing a first person shooter is that when you're say driving in Wisconsin and uh, and a deer's about to cross the road maybe you'll notice that deer crossing uh earlier if you have if you have improved peripheral vision yeah so one of the tests that we've used um it's called the useful field of view um and it was actually originally designed to assess driving accident risk and particularly in the in the elderly um so the types of vision tests that we get at least in the state of wisconsin to get your driver's license so like you know, read this line on the eye chart, and then there's a, a little peripheral dot that you have to say when it comes on, which happens to sit right where my glasses are, so I can never see this dot. Um, you know, um, those aren't particularly predictive of driving accidents, at least, you know, until you have really bad vision, um, largely because people don't tend to run into things that they're looking directly at. Um, the places where driving accidents occur are when you don't notice something, say, in your peripheral vision. And so, you know, this psychology test, the use field of view, um, you know, it does a better job of predicting kind of driving accidents um, than kind of more standard, what people would think of as like eye chart vision. Um, and it's one of the measures that we've seen is enhanced um, from playing this type of action video game. Huh, amazing. And it is, it's my, I'm, I'm trying to remember, there, there has been some studies about, um, video games potentially increasing dexterity in surgeons, if I'm remembering this right? Yeah, so there's a couple of teams that have looked at, um, you know, if we think of in particular like endoscopic surgery, it has a lot of clear touch points with how a video game would work, right? You're kind of manipulating something with your hands that then is affecting something on a screen. Um, it's not necessarily a one-to-one -one mapping in terms of how far you move your hand and how far the thing in the kind of on the screen moves. Um, and so there's a number of teams who have uh, largely done what we think of as correlational work. They basically asked surgeons, um, how much video gaming do you do? Um, and then they tested them um, largely in surgical simulators um, to say, well, is it the people you know, that are playing lots of video games that happen to be really good at doing some of these simulators? Um, you know, as far as I know, there might be work in actual surgeries, but actual surgeries are kind of um, 
scientifically difficult, um, you know, to control. And right. so, yeah, that work has said that the people who are more avid gamers or the surgeons who are more avid gamers perform better on the simulators that are meant to simulate real surgery. Um, and in particular, they tend to be faster at completing the exercises without making more errors. Um, and just the amount of time that you are kind of inside someone's body um, is related to the you know possible complications. Um, and so being able to kind of do things that much faster without making more errors has a lot of value. Do you think that it's possible that it's just people with um, like natural, maybe kind of genetic um, higher than average hand motor function that find themselves drawn to uh, doing that kind of work and find themselves drawn to playing video games simply because they're good at it? Yeah. Um, so, you know, pretty much anyone who's kind of had a science class at some point has had drilled into them that correlation, you know, doesn't mean causation or can't be used to imply causation. Um, in the case of our research, kind of, you know, we do the correlation study where we just ask, what do you do in your real life? And, you know, do you play lots of action video games or not? Um, and then we measure visual skills and we ask, do the people who choose to play the games show better visual skills than the people who don't? Um, but as you note, we don't know if that's pre-existing or um, if it's caused by the games. Mm. Um, and so we always do kind of dedicated true experiments in the lab where we take people who don't choose to play those games naturally and train them on action games. Um, mm. You know, that way we can know that the experience you know, um, causes a change in behavior. Right. Um, my guess in the real world um, is it's probably a mixture of both, um, mm -hmm. you know, is that, you know, people tend to choose to do things that they are good at. Um, you know, there's actually really nice theories in motivation psychology saying more or less that. Um, and then the types of activities that people engage in, often they'll improve at those, right? Um, and it'll cause, you know, kind of, it'll then itself cause changes in their behavior. So my guess in the real world is it's a little bit of kind of natural skill and it's a little bit of, you know, playing these games is altering behaviors as well. Mm. Um, do you, uh, do you see any game that would be kind of particularly good for, uh, for situations right now, now that people aren't driving as much? Um, I mean, it's, it's it's great if uh, if if doctors are maybe better better at surgery, but that's you know that's a few cases out there. What about things like um, I, again? Excuse my ignorance, um, but uh, I, what what is the what is today's version of like the Nintendo Wii or some? Or is there still a Nintendo Wii? Uh, I mean, it still exists. The newest one is the Switch um, for Nintendo. Um, the Switch. You, know, you pretty much have the same at least three core ones. Um, there's Nintendo's, which is Switch now. Um, PlayStation is up to the four. And then the Xbox, which is Microsoft's, is um, Xbox One. Hmm. So are, are games like that, and, and now that people are kind of hunkered down, um, is do you think those are going to take off? Do you, th do you think that they are, do you think that they are a, a decent, supplement for i mean people can still depending on where they are um still go out and take hikes and and things like that and and get sunlight which is going to be the uh the best thing for people but um people in certain situations do you, do you think that uh that a game like that is a, a decent supplement for 
um, exercise? Um, I mean, I think there are some types of games, um, and there's there's a pretty big field that's interested in you know what we call exer games, um, basically, right? Like they're exercise specific video games. Um, I think there are people who are in parts of the country, right, that um, getting out and exercising is more difficult. Um, and so, you know, there's been a proliferation of, you know, how do people get exercise at, um, at home um, in yeah. kind of limited space. Um, and so my guess is that um, some of those games will become popular, right? And to the extent that they, you know, um, increase heart rate for 20 minutes, they should have the types of benefits that go along with that. Um, and the nice thing about the extra games is that, um, you know, one big problem for, you know, kind of staying on exercising is that in many cases it's not that fun. Um, and right. so, you know, that's kind of one of the big veins of research in that, that domain is, does the rewarding nature of the video game kind of um, allow more persistent behavior um, than you'd get if you were just going to, you know, jump rope or, you know, um, you know, I've spent four weeks with my rower down in the basement, you know, these kinds of things. Ah, huh. interesting. So, kids are out of school people are uh trying to teach remotely and everything um parents are finding themselves you know as, as much as as much as parents uh love getting to spend time with their children a lot of parents are also trying to work from home at the same time and and um i've, I've talked recently on the episode of, of kind of this the the work and the home life bleeding um, together quite a bit and and having a hard time establishing boundaries and and um, keeping a new schedule and one one of the one of the potential um, you know outcomes of this is like it, it, you know we, we criticize um, you know using the TV as a babysitter but there are going to be people in situations where just the reality of it is is that you need some space to get some work done to put food on the table and also you have a kid at home um, what would you say is uh, are some of the um, most positive alternatives um, or, or uh, not alternatives options um, for for parents that uh, that need to plop their kids in front of a video game for a while yeah I mean I guess the advice I usually give, I kind of shy away from giving specific game advice and kind of give broader advice, um, especially because um, lots of times it'll depend on the child's interests. Um, the general advice I give is to just make sure you know what the game content is. Um, you know, often, um, you know, I give lots of talks around um, Wisconsin, you know, at libraries and, um, you know, middle schools and high schools. Um, and often, you know, the parents will say, oh, you know, is it okay if my kids play video games? And I'll say, well, which ones? And yeah. they might say something like, oh, it has like this kind of, you know, spiky haired guy on the box. And I'm like, uh, I don't know which one that is. Um, you know, <laughs> You kind of need to kind of get into it and pay attention. You know, um, you know, is there content in there that you like? Is there content in there that you don't like? Interesting. Um, yeah. Are the you know is your child playing with friends that they know, um, or are they just playing with random people on the internet? Right. Um, if right. Playing with random people on the internet. Um, you know, is there any type of monitoring? Um, you know, does the child know how to interact with strangers on the internet? You know, there's right. kind of steps that a parent would want to go through before doing that, right? Because given the space of, you know, if you give a kid a tablet or a console, 
um, they can do a lot of things through video games, many of which the parents probably wouldn't necessarily want them to be doing. And mm. so kind of paying that level of attention, um, I think is useful. Um, and one thing I've suggested in that is that it can be kind of a nice opportunity for the parent to interact with the child because children love knowing more than their parents. Um, and so, you know, yeah. they like, you know, whatever the equivalent, like child's planning. I don't know if that's a thing, but, um, <laughs> you know, um, explaining to parents. We can start it, child's planning. Yeah. Um, you know, something like that, right? Um, I do big huh. brothers and big sisters, and my little loves to explain video games to me, um, which at some point he'll be old enough to kind of recognize the irony of that. Um, but, <laughs> um, you know, at the moment, like he, he absolutely loves doing that, right? Um, and so, you know, it can actually be a nice experience because it's a domain in which the kid is kind of the teacher, um, you know, and there's kind of work to that effect. This is interesting. Yeah, I feel like you're you're positioned. You have yourself positioned pretty well for for our new quarantine world. You're you're a video game researcher. You're hunkered down with video games, and you already have your hair growing out. As as the rest of us are wondering how we're going to cut our hair and and can't go to the barber shop anymore, you already have that taken care of. Yeah, that's certainly true. I'm going to end up uh, with like my graduate school length. Um, you know, <laughs> usually come summer, I at least go back to shoulder length and, you know, well, um, but I'm not suffering as much as those who need legitimate haircuts for sure. Yeah. What about, um, what about any of the, uh, any of the sim um, kind of games out there? Do you think that any of, uh, is there anything out there that you think would be um, interesting um, in terms of exploring and learning about maybe how policy is made and how, um, uh, you know, how ecosystems work, how governments work. Is there anything out there like that? Um, I mean, there's certainly um, like a space of what we call serious games um, that would kind of try to do those things. Um, you know, um, there's actually a game that, um, there's a couple, it doesn't really necessarily teach how, well, I guess it does. Um, there's a game, I forgot what exactly what it's called. It's about gerrymandering. Um, huh. And so your explicit goal in some of the levels is to like, um, you want to protect two incumbents. So draw these lines, you know, take in this data and draw these lines. Interesting. Um, um, your party holds the governorship and you want to get as many seats as you can. Um, wow. So the is to draw the line so that you, you know, you get five of the six house seats. Um, I actually think that that's an incredibly clever game. I can send, if I can find it, I'll send you a link to it. Oh, uh, please do. That is so interesting. And I actually find it fun to play. Like it's a, it's a well done, I mean, it's on a serious topic, but um, you know, it's, it's well done as a game. It has like a game motivation structure where it's like, here's the rules and here's your goal as a player in this. Um, and you kind of get this sense of like what's fair and what's not when you are, doing things that you know are inherently unfair to win this game. Um, it's like, sorry, folks, we're diluting your votes, um, but I'm going to win this level. Um, <laughs> Is our, our new versions of, uh, of Sims uh, going to include, um, <laughs> like, a pandemic just happened and you need to quarantine all of your Sims? Yeah, you know, People, uh, you know, it's like uh, given the modding community for games, you know, I'd be surprised if there weren't uh, weren't mods as is, um, you know. Um, 
now rather than just watching your sim, now your sim can't even leave the house. <laughs> you know, before they at least pretended to go to work for part of the day. Ha. Huh. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Trend Micro. At CDW, we get that patch-together security can leave gaps in protection. I patch things together all the time, like this broken desk chair. Some duct tape, good as new. Orchestrated by CDW, Trend Micro Cloud One provides unified protection and better visibility across cloud services. It's all-in-one cloud security that can hold its own. Okay. Want to buy some gently used office furniture? No, thanks. IT orchestration by CDW. People who get it. Find out more at cdw.com slash trendmicro. It's JCPenney here, back with some great gift ideas for everyone on your list. And they're all available now at your local JCPenney or online. Need gifts for her? Check out our selection of diamond jewelry that's sure to put a sparkle in her eye. Or help her cozy up at home with pajama separates and super soft slippers. For him, try JCPenney's grooming products, like shave sets and trimmers. Or compliment his style with smart flannels and jeans from brands like Arizona, Levi's, and more. Also, stop by Sephora inside JCPenney to find top fragrances for both him and her. For the kids, shop this year's must-have toys and games for all ages. Or bring smiles to all with matching sleepwear sets for the whole family. And for everyone else on your list, share some warmth with a heated blanket, an ultra-cozy scarf, or let them decide with a gift card. There are so many ways to share the joy this holiday season, and so many ways to shop JCPenney. Visit a store near you, pick up curbside, or go to jcp.com. Joy, comfort, peace. JCPenney. Yeah. What uh, what kind of games are you into? Um, so uh, I play a lot of what I guess you might call kind of action role-playing games. Um, you know, that's, that's the genre that I play the most. Uh, right now I'm playing a couple of games. Like, you know, speaking of kind of social aspects of games, the two games I'm playing right now, I'm, I'm playing because... I play them with my younger brother, who's a, a paramedic uh, in Florida. And so we don't really have a call and chat on the phone kind of relationship. Um, mm-hmm. But if we're both playing the same online game, um, you know, we kind of talk about the game, but talk about some other things, mm-hmm. right? You know, it you know provides a, a nice outlet to just chat, um, you know, even in the context. So we are right now playing um, a game called Don't Starve Together, um, which as it sounds, it's kind of like a survival game. Um, you know, you try to not starve or get killed by anything while gathering resources and, you know, building a, a little home base. Hmm. Um, what are, what are the potential, um, downsides of, of video games? Is there, is there anything that people are going to want to be especially mindful of, um, in the, in the current conditions? Sure. Um, you know, um, you know, you kind of start off by talking about video game addiction. Um, you know, I'm at least of the belief that, you know, this is, uh, that there are a subset of people who play video games in a way that is kind of unhealthy for their life. Um, you know, they, you know, will play video games to the point that they give up other aspects of their life that, you know, they're, you know, in the case of college students, which is what we worry the most about, you know, they're not doing their assignments they're not interacting with others. Um, in really severe cases, you know, they'll start to kind of have poor hygiene or sleep issues. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's always a concern. Um, you know, the, you know, estimates of what percent I, of people who play games have kind of these symptoms um, kind of ranges really broadly from part of a percent to maybe five percent right and and i don't i don't want to i don't want to highlight um kind of um statistical anomalies and and 
bring apart uh, bring up people's kind of recency bias or whatever by by using one example but but i i i know a guy who um it, you know because i i didn't i didn't know the world of how to like make money playing video games and i i met a um uh, i met a uh, a guy we were chatting about it he said that when he was in you know when he was doing like tons of world of warcraft stuff and he was like he was doing a lot of like tutorials and stuff you know people could people could pay him to uh to give a tutorial and things and but then but then like these treasures in like world of warcraft where you know he'd find out where some treasure was and then it was going to like repopulate at some point and he had to hunker down and he'd be like and he'd have to like take Adderall and like have a bucket to go to the bathroom <laughs> in because because he can't because he needed to he he needed to be able to like fight off any potential people that are coming there and be there the very moment that this like treasure repopulates so that he could sell that online. So that's an exceptionally extreme example that I'm sure it's like 0.00001% of, of, uh, of gamers out there. But when you mentioned hygiene, that, that story occurred to me. Yeah, I mean, you know, these, there are a subset of, of people who, you know, go along those routes. Sleep is very commonly a thing that people give up first. Um, you know, they play video games and they don't sleep enough. Um, you know, they don't do homework if they're kids, they'll miss work assignments. So there is certainly a segment of people um, that uh, play games in a way that's unhealthy. Um, so within the American system, video game addiction is not a formal diagnosis. So the kind of governing body that um, determines these things um, hasn't listed it as a formal kind of psychological disorder. It's basically a disorder in need of more research, but if mm -hmm. it was a disorder, it would kind of sit right alongside pathological gambling, right? Mm -hmm. There's a segment of people, you know, who gamble in a way that is just really unhealthy. Lots of people go to casinos, they think it's fun, they lose some money, they go home, they tell their stories, um, and then there's a segment of people who play in a way that, who gamble in a way that's super unhealthy. Right. So that's kind of the common analogy, at least, mm -hmm. to video game addiction. Now, now say that you're uh, a healthy um, gamer, or, or I mean, I mean, considering just how much television the average person watches, and consider, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know what what an unhealthy amount of gaming would be compared to just to what seems to me to be an unhealthy amount of TV that just like the average population of the US is watching. Uh, I, I'm curious, are there, are there any studies showing any kind of difference between this? You, you know, I've, I've, I've talked about passive versus active leisure and uh, on, on the podcast before in the, in the kind of um, studies that show that psychologically, usually people report having a higher sense of well-being, having had an active um, experience rather than a leisure. So rather than just sitting back and passively watching television, going for a hike or something and, and video games is something that, that is, uh, you know, an active in most cases, an active, uh, experience. Is there any, have you seen any studies comparing the two experiences and, and possibly, um, well-being, um, uh, comparisons? So, yeah, I mean, 
apples to oranges comparison, you know, I mean, it's basically apples to oranges comparison. It's hard to do an apples to apples comparison. Right. Um, in terms of the extent to which people, you know, let's say in my core research, uh, people certainly kind of show more uh, perceptual and cognitive benefits if they play rather than if they watch. Um, as you might expect, right? Um, you know, if you're not actively playing, you're not making predictions, you're not um, generating errors that you then try to improve on, um, you know, kind of all of the things that active means. Um, but my expectation, just, you know, kind of returning to one of the earlier points is that active in the world of video games also means, um, you know, meaningful choices and autonomy. You know, it means um, there's another, um, so all of this is kind of invested in what's called self-determination theory, um, but that people care about autonomy, which is meaningful choices. They care about social relatedness, you know, we're social creatures, and then they care about competence, right? Like, you know, we have this need to kind of feel like we are competent at things, that we can do things well. Um, and video games are a really nice example where you can grow competence really quickly. You know, like the example I give in my class sometimes is if you're playing The Sims, Right. You know, you have to read a book like four times and suddenly you're a physicist. Right. You know, you can kind of grow competence very, very quickly. Um, and, you know, that's going to kind of satisfy some basic psychological needs. Mm. Um, when so so you as as puzzles are the most popular <laughs> that they've been in in my lifetime and everyone's showing Instagram pictures of all the puzzles and stuff that they're working on. When you take a game and, and I forget the, the category of what, what's the, the title of the category of the game that you were into? Um, oh, oh, like that I play myself action role-playing game. Action role-playing. No, is that, so that's like, I, I remember my, my friend Jake, he was once playing a, a Batman um, game where he like went around there's like tasks and so, is that is that what so that would probably fit in there basically the idea is that there's some action components you know often you're going around and shooting bad guys but you're yeah. also improving your character and you know you can customize your character and there's some amount of exploration so it's mm -hmm. kind of a amalgamation of those kind of different types of games you know you both go around and you do the shooting part but you also try to, yeah, um, you know, customize your character and build up their statistics and these kinds of things. So, uh, I mean, obviously, <laughs> you're, you're maybe going to be a, a hair biased, and I, I can uh, understand the answer, but I'd love to hear your reasoning. And it's kind of a little redundant here, but speaking of apples to oranges comparisons, uh, we did kind of video games to TV. What about video games to uh, just run-of-the-mill puzzles? Um, you know, I mean, puzzles will, you know, um, certainly, uh, you know, give you, say, in a sense of achievement, right? There's a nicety that um, something was disorderly and now is orderly. I don't know of any actual research on that. There very well might be um, in the case of puzzles. But, you know, um, to some extent, the fact that so many people like to play puzzles suggests that they satisfy some psychological need. Um, you know, just like the existence of them um, suggests that they provide value to people in some way. Um, you know, obviously the, um, the media are very, very different. Um, usually what we end up saying, and the way that I've been trying to live my life is that variety is what people really like in the end. Um, mm. So for instance, you know, um, you know, using video games as one of the things to keep you kind of cognitively engaged, um, but probably not the sole thing. 
right? Um, mixtures of things. Um, you know, if you can take a walk, if you can play some video games, do a puzzle, read a book, that's probably going to be what's best rather than try to put all your eggs in one particular basket. Um, so are there any, uh, considering the new kind of quarantine conditions that I personally believe is going to be a bit more than, uh, you know, a few, a few weeks. I, I, I think that's, I think that's a kind of common, um, knowledge at, at this point, but, um, are, are there any, <clears throat> have you seen any opportunities for, um, for study with your research, um, specifically kind of taking advantage of, of, uh, the, the new op, uh, you know, the, these, exceptionally bizarre uh new conditions that humanity's in yeah i mean if anything it has certainly spurred in kind of my area of psychology a big push towards um doing online data collection um obviously we can't do any in-person data collection uh, and so kind of solving the problem of how do you kind of take measures of perception and cognition online um how do you kind of train people on things. Um, so we have a study that we're starting um, where uh, the intention was that they would come in with, and we'd give them a tablet that had our training software on it and they would take it home and they would use it. You know, now it's, well, we have to deploy it to individuals' tablets to do the training at home. Um, but I think it'll end up being a positive experience because, or a positive for the field, because um, it'll kind of broaden the horizons of the type of people that we can test. We can test people online. So rather than just the people that are in the intro psych classes at the University of Wisconsin, suddenly we have a much bigger chunk of people. So this is really kind of spurred the investment in doing that. Um, it's not a minimal investment to be able to do that translation, but this particular situation has spurred it, and I think it'll be positive in the end. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. So um, what uh, uh, do, you, do you have any other um, uh, uh, kind of um, tips or anything that people should be mindful of or or even any good video game recommend recommendations for folks I mean, that are like you know i've been thinking about getting into this gaming stuff yeah i mean so um i mean i guess the the one tip is that um i very commonly run into say parents who are like oh well my kid likes video games but they're just not for me uh and often what i found is that uh the issue is what we call entrance cost like, you know, when you're first playing a video game, especially if you didn't grow up with games, like really our generation, like you mentioned Nintendo, it's probably the first generation that legitimately grew up with this as a medium. Um, you know, there's this cost where you don't know how anything works and it's a little frustrating at first. Um, but if you kind of push through that, I've found that most people could find games that they do like. Uh, so I actually bought a Switch this winter for my wife for Christmas. Um, and she's been playing um, a game called Zelda Breath of the Wild for about three months now. She was always saying that she was not a gamer. And now um, I guarantee if I look at my house, there's a clipboard of stuff that she needs to find in this game. <laughs> so, um, you know, huh. my, my my experience is at least, uh, you know, game, most people will find uh, some games that they like um, if they actually just try it. 
Um, it's often that that entrance cost of being intimidated or you know being frustrated in the beginning because you've never held a controller before. That you just got to kind of push through that part, um, and then yeah, um, there ends up you know uh, being a game for most people, I'd say. All right. Well, let's last thing. Would you mind breaking down the different types of video game categories that there are, and maybe even <laughs> is this a, is this quite a task? Is this am I am I putting you on the spot right now? Uh, uh, a little bit. Uh, a little bit. Um, <laughs> I mean, I just mainly don't want to get yelled at by people. Um, <laughs> obviously, people in the gaming world have kind of strong opinions about these. Things. <laughs> yeah, they do. Well, well, throw throw a little more uh, um, uh, fuel on that fire and and throw out a couple of your favorites in each. Hey, um, as long as everyone, you know, category. any complaints should be sent along to Shane and not to me. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll take so, your complaints. You know, I would say, um, you know, so like the questionnaire that we use in our lab, um, you know, we divide things into um, first and third person shooter games, right? These are kind of as they sound. Either it's first person shooter, you're looking through your character's eyes and usually shooting at things, or third person, you're looking at the back of your character um, and shooting. Um, that's kind of a broad swath of games um, that would fall on that. Um, there's kind of the role-playing adventure types of games um, where you're kind of building your character, you're exploring. Um, you know, there's the sports driving games. We kind of glom those into one big category, all the sports games, all the kind of car driving games. Uh, there's the strategy or um, there's a popular genre uh, called MOBAs, uh, Multiplayer Online Battle Arena. So League of Legends is a very kind of popular game that's in that genre. Uh, there's the life simulation games like The Sims or I'd probably put like Animal Crossing that I know came a new version came out recently that um, lots of people have been spending time with. Uh, there's music games like, you know, Guitar Hero or Rock Band or those kinds of games. Um, the one that we struggle a lot with um, we basically have a category for mobile games, um, which isn't a very well-described category. It's just like games that you can easily play on a small tablet or a phone. Um, but those are at least how we break down games, um, noting that um, there are lots more kind of niche categories, so like fighting games. Like you might have played Mortal Kombat at some point in your life. Yeah. Right? Like we usually treat that as its own little um niche category of games with Mortal Kombat and um, trying to think of some of the other really popular ones, Injustice or those types of games. Um, you know, there's a couple more like that. Um, and then within the big categories, there are an incredible number of subcategories. Um, so it's like, oh, I don't like this, you know, this third person shooter game. Oh, well, maybe you'd like a stealth game rather than a you know, what we call a hack and slash. Um, mm. But there's a big space of games that exist in the world. Um, and so, you know, I think given that variety, there tends to be something for everyone if you kind of do a little exploration. So I, one, one bit of gaming that I have um, uh, played a little bit of, and this is, it's safe for me because it's only been on a friend's house and I know I'm not going to, it's cost prohibitive for me to get a VR uh, at the moment, although I guess it's getting cheaper, but I know, but 
you know, I've, I've gone to a friend's house and been like, okay, I can play this for five minutes and take this off um, and, and not ruin my life with this. And man, those things are, those things are very, very fun for the little bit of, um, you know, as, as the VR experience is still so raw and, uh, and new and, and problematic as, as it's getting better and better, it's going to be such an exciting, um, space. And I was thinking as you're talking about the fighter games, I was thinking of the black mirror episode that I'm, I'm sure you saw, uh, with the fighter game. Am I correct in assuming you? You, nope, I've never seen Black Mirror. I'm a pretty bad television watcher. Oh, um, so there's a Black Mirror episode where ba- basically you can insert yourself, like it, your brain, into the uh, into the fighter character, and, okay. uh, and and like kind of shows some of the consequences um, of, of of doing that. Um, I the the reason I bring it up is I was wondering if you could maybe. Um, uh, again, I'm just trying to get you in so much trouble with opinionated gamers out there. If you could maybe separate kind of um, uh, what what is science fiction and what is uh, like realistic in terms of the trajectory of gaming and where where you maybe see it going. Some of the things that you get excited about or worried yeah, about. Sure. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think VR has, has potential. Um, there's certainly issues and some of them might be insurmountable issues. Um, So lots of people, for instance, get what's called uh, simulator sickness when they're in a VR environment, right? Um, You know, um, you've talked about this, I know in your comedy, right? You get mismatch between things when you're in a VR system um, between, you know, your visual system and say your vestibular system that's telling you about acceleration through space. Um, and actually in VR, you get significant mismatch just within the visual system. Um, so for instance, we actually have lots of cues that tell us how far away things are. Um, so we have what's called stereopsis. So if you kind of blink your eyes left and right, you get slightly different views of the world in your left and right eye. And you can use that to determine depth. Um, but you can also tell um, depth by this kind of thickness of the lens in your eye. Um, it adjusts based on how far away you're focusing. And so in a VR system, those are kind of intractably at odds. Um, they're always going to tell you that things are at different depths. Um, and that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. And it's just like the way VR works. Um, but I think as things get smoother, um, as your head movements are captured, better in game, um, you know, as the field of view increases, as the kind of refresh rate increases, that could be a really fun medium. Um, although one thing that I think is interesting in that um, is that uh, there was a lot of interest in games where you could use your body to interact. So for instance, Xbox had the um, Connect for a while um, where you played the game by like, you know, if you needed your character to jump over something, you jumped over it. Um, And that didn't end up being as successful as people expected, partially, I think, because people don't necessarily, like the reason you play video games is you don't want to be limited by your own body, right? It's like, I can only jump so high. I would just assume my character not be limited by how high I can jump, right? Um, To some extent, you are role-playing a little bit in these games. And so it'll be interesting to see how that is dealt with, right? If it's super kind of tied to your body, well, you might not be a particularly 
fast fighter, right? Um, would you rather use your own hands to do it or would you rather be able to kind of use button presses and kind of role play? Uh, I think it's hard to tell, but I don't, you know, based on that progression there, um, I have no idea if the kind of use of your own body in VR is likely to become a big part of the space or not. Hmm. Interesting. Well, this has been a fantastic chat. Thank you so much for uh, for spending some time during <laughs> during this quarantine yeah, uh, no to share your perspective. Um, and uh, and and I can't wait to uh, see you live in person uh, <laughs> next next time I'm in I'm in Madison again. Yeah, you know, whenever you're in Madison and we're allowed to be out and about, um, we'll look forward to it. Awesome. Well, thank you, Sean. And thank you listeners for being such wonderful, curious people. We'll talk with you next week. Thanks so much for checking out the show. Remember to check us out on YouTube where we just started posting videos. You can now see me and my guest. It adds a little something to each episode and it's been a lot of fun. These conversations have been great. Uh, all, I, I already have a bunch of episodes in the bank, so we're hoping to have consistent releases for them. And uh, thanks in part to my my team. We are all working way over time I am uh, I'm working um, you know just about 80 hour uh, weeks now and I have my my full-time assistant Rihanna Andrews uh, you can follow her on Instagram the underscore hippie underscore witch check out some of her lovely art um, Ramin Nazer uh, running the here we are podcast um, dot com website. He is um, about my favorite artist on the planet. If you haven't checked out any of his stuff, I love, love, love what he uh, what he does, and he has he has new stuff on Instagram basically every day, and uh, it's very insightful and timely, and um, and and lots of fun. So check out Ramin Nazer, and uh, and um, I. Uh, special thanks to Jimmy Fro for editing this podcast. Uh, go to Jimmy Fro Music Show on iTunes, and um, a whole bunch of uh, support from lots of uh, friends and family and everything else. If you wanna, if you have some um, some downtime, you want to be involved, you want to donate a few hours of your time. Got some stuff I can do for uh, you could you could do for the show. There's a lot of um, cross promotional stuff with trying to kind of help the universities um, and and stuff spread the word about this show. And uh, and we just it's uh, there's a lot of things like that that we just simply don't have the time to do everything. So if you find yourself with a lot of time on your hands and you're kind of hunkering down and just waiting waiting this out right now. One thing that would help me out uh, tremendously is if you could donate a, a little time to helping out there, if, if you want. Um, no big deal. Just uh, thought I'd throw it out there. You can go to shanemossmauss.com, go to the contact page, and email both me and Rihanna. Um, I'm often way too swamped with emails, but one of us will one of us will see it and um, and get back to you shortly if you have any ideas of anything um, that you may want to do 
uh, to help. And other than that, um, uh, you know, you can certainly uh, support, give a give a few dollars uh, on on Patreon. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I have a full team that I'm trying to pay, and all of a sudden, my, all of my income got pulled out from under me, like so many businesses um, right now. And so, so yeah, trying to uh, trying to get this all figured out while trying to do more work than ever, and. I have to say that this is this has been really, really inspiring for me to uh, to get to talk with all of these academics that are so busy right now, and then and then that they're finding the time to talk to me, to um, to communicate these ideas with the public, um, and dealing with tech issues and everything else. It's just been. You know, I'm I'm having I'm having a blast recording these. This is um, this is the the if there was going to be a situation like this, this is um, the best it could possibly be. I'm I'm making the most of it, and I hope all of you are are trying to make the most out of your time. And um, and if you do have t- downtime. Remember, you can always educate yourself at thegreatcourses.com slash here we are, or check out audiobooks at libro.fm slash here we are. All those links are on the here we are podcast.com website. And um, I've now canceled my dates through April. It looks like May is on the chopping block. I'm in a position where I don't really have to cancel dates um, anywhere up until like two or three weeks in advance because I don't really start advertising until then anyway. So I can uh, kind of cross my fingers and and wait and see if there's um, some incredible breakthrough or something. But I'm uh, I'm kind of planning for um, planning for the long haul right now. And so I'm, I'm going to try to move some things to June again, just in case. But um I'm I'm kind of I'm I'm cautious about speculating about anything, but I'm I'm kind of looking at July uh, right now, unfortunately, in terms of live touring. But this is giving me a big opportunity to increase my digital presence, which I'm uh, really behind on. So when I do get back out on the road, that's going to help a lot. So, so that's something any of you can do if you want to help out the show is um, follow me on on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, spread the word about uh, about what I am doing here, and do the same with all the artists that are that are giving you all this um, all this free content. So um, yeah, uh, I really really appreciate you guys. It is super cool that I get to do this. So those of you that listen all the way to the end, you are of course my favorites. Star Bands Audio, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.